Today's podcast is officially sponsored by My Crew Doses. Yes, your ears do not deceive you officially. Amanita muscaria. That is a mushroom, ladies and gentlemen. And this particular blend helps you sleep, helps you rest. Slept like a log. I think I, I tallied nine, maybe ten hours of straight sleep. Usually I get up. Usually I go up to go pee. Not this time. I didn't check my bed. I might have wet myself, but it doesn't matter. I got nine hours of deep sleep. Vivid dreams as well. So if you guys are interested in this stuff, you have to be 18 or older to use this, by the way. If you're interested in this type of thing, go to MyCrewDoses.com. And at checkout, use promo code THECHAMBER. Get you a little 10% off. All right, Coach Jay is with me today, and you, sir, are a brain man, and I'm more like Rain Man. So, Brain Man and Rain <laughs> Man, <laughs> that sounds too good to be true for a podcast, doesn't it? That's awesome. I love it. Right. <laughs> but um, you're a man of tapping into the psyche of people to try and heal them from their relationships. My ex-wife used to think that I had Asperger's because if we had a disagreement, I would just stop talking and you know, mute myself, which is so it's possible she was correct. Um, I just want to thank you for spending some time with uh, with us today and being here on the uh, Curiosity Chamber. Awesome. Appreciate your time. Um, uh, it sounds like that was uh, your ex-wife was speaking of possibly your attachment style. Do you know what your attachment style is? You know what? We went to therapy and we took some tests and... Um, Apparently, I need, I don't know exactly what it's called, but apparently, I need um, to have verbal, like, um, you know, like you're doing affirmation. such a good job. Yeah, affirmation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a love language. That's a different test, but okay. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm still that's learning. That's the test we took. Yeah. <laughs> took a love language test. I don't know what the other, uh, what my other thing is. No okay. idea. Well, there's um, acts of service. Um, gifts, physical touch, um, quality time, and um, words of affirmation. So we, we, everybody needs all of them, but we usually have a primary and a secondary. I thought it was more of a physical touch kind of person. I feel like yeah, most so men might as might be. Is that not fair um, to say? Yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting is, and again, everybody needs all of them and, and to varying degrees, you know, you know, sometimes men need like, okay, I'm 30% here and then 60% with the other one or 15 here or whatever. But um, it's, it, it's interesting. You should say that because um, in, in a lot of the clients that I talk to, men have a tendency to um, have a validation, words of affirmation and physical touch. Um, which is interesting because, and I don't want to paint a broad brush at all, but um, a lot of times women in, in male-female relationships, a lot of times women really need to feel heard, understood, and listened to, and men need to feel validated and affirmed. Mm. So yes, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So th I'd imagine there's got to be a different context here if we're talking about relationships, like um, romantic relationships, and then into like the uh the workplace do they vary um so uh no not necessarily as far as love language the only difference is obviously the emotion attached to the language so like you know like me uh i'm a toucher so it doesn't matter who i'm around if i'm talking to somebody i'm always tapping their arm you know but that doesn't mean i'm sexually attracted to anybody it just means i'm tapping your arm I, i'm a toucher but if i'm touching my spouse obviously the emotion is different same thing with anything else so usually your love language certainly your attachment style doesn't change from situation to situation or person to person just the emotion attached to it certainly does do you think social media is changing the love languages out there like what people need more of um, so yes and no, here's the deal. Uh, our love language and our attachment style is pretty much, um, established before the age of 18 months. Ooh, so wow. in that case, not necessarily. However, social media has changed greatly many aspects of us, which, uh, hinders and hampers or, uh, affects certain things like, you know, um, uh, I mean, nowadays, really one of the things that I show people a lot of times is I have a prescription, uh, prescription, um, uh, 
bottle. And um, all it has on it is thumbs up from Facebook because I show people this is our prescription nowadays. As long as everybody gets their thumbs up with their likes with something, they feel good. And if they don't get that, so it's really sad how social media allows so many of us to determine our happiness and our joy, which external factors have nothing to do with joy. Um, and, and the other thing too, is social media. Absolutely. We use it to numb, distract, avoid all this other stuff. And this is why in my own personal opinion, the reason that depression skyrocketed during yeah, COVID which sure. it, is because a lot of people, uh, had to sit with themselves for a long time. And usually when we sit with ourselves, what do we do? It's like putting a mirror in front of us. And a lot of people didn't like the reflection they saw. So depression skyrocketed. Do you think people know the severity of the effects of social media or they're just so like drowned out because they're in it day to day and they just have no idea? Like, like what you just said, people don't take the time to look themselves in the mirror to realize what's actually going on. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Do you, you know, the latest study that I read is the average teen spends about nine hours a day on social media. So that's nine hours a day getting disconnected and unplugged from those around you. And, you yeah. know, I've heard before that social media is great because it brings people that are far near. However, it brings people that are near far. Because nowadays you have your friends and family members get together and after all the hugs and kisses and how are you and life is great, everybody's sitting doing their own thing on their own phones and social media. So it's kind of sad. Yeah, I was just actually looking yesterday for flip phones. I want to buy a flip phone. And if someone needs to contact me, like I'll give you my number for that phone. I don't want to be attached to my phone anymore. Like what makes me most happy is when I do a podcast like this and it goes very well, just like communicating with somebody. When I sign off of this podcast, I will be on cloud nine for the next like 12 hours. I'll be like, dude, that was such an awesome conversation I just had with a person. And then I find myself when I don't have days that I'm podcasting and I'm just on my phone. Holy shit, man. I'm like legitimately depressed, just scrolling aimlessly, looking at people who who kind of like are living this fake life, it seems like, because they're just putting out pictures of the best moments of their entire life. And it's real depressing. It's real capturing. Yeah. Well, first of all, you just told me that you have a, uh, a natural tendency to be extroverted. That's number one. And number two, um, uh, you're right, because in this is, you know, getting back to teens, which I don't have to, I don't specialize in teens by any means. I just happened to read a, read a study not too long ago is um, everybody puts their best face on social media for the most part. And as adults, it's hard enough not to compare. But as teens, they don't have that filter. They don't have that understanding. So, you know, a teen will be like, well, geez, why don't I have that kind of breakfast? Why don't I have that kind of happy family? Why don't I have this? And it just adds to their um, their depression. One of the things that I tell teens all the time, because I used to go to school before COVID and give like speeches, I would say people's true lives are what happens in between the pictures they post on social media. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And for the most part, like, what do you think in between pictures? Let's say someone that posts like every every hour, like pictures of them being joyous or or always. Here's something that's hilarious. Someone that that posts a lot of pictures of their significant other looking happy in every single picture tend to be that they're not happy in that relationship. It's so weird. It's such a weird thing about the psyche like that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you know, it. I mean, it is true that everybody wants to uh, put their best foot forward and, and have this image and things like that. But listen, I'm a dad of two young kids. So I too post pictures when I bring my kids to Disney World and everything else. But I don't post pictures when the kids are arguing with me in the airport because they don't want to, you know, do A, B and C. Or if they don't want to sit up in the restaurant and their social etiquette and their manners are lacking. I don't post those pictures. I just post when they just got off a ride and they got a big smile on their face. So we all do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's it's hard to it's hard to tell who's wearing a mask and who's not. Or is everyone wearing a mask? Well, we're, we, listen, we all wear multiple masks because, um, first of all, 
we often wear a mask with our own self. When we get up and Jay, I don't know when's the last time you ever got up or just went in your bathroom and actually, actually pulled a chair up to your mirror and sat there and stared at yourself for a while. Because if you ask the average person to do that, oh my gosh, they start fidgeting. They start looking the other way. They don't want to, they don't like what they see. I mean, your eyes are the window to your soul. A lot of people don't want to see what's in their soul. So first of all, you have a mask on oftentimes with just yourself. And if you can't stand to show your true face in front of yourself, how in the world are you going to feel vulnerable and authentic showing it to other people? That's number one. Number two, we also have a situational mask. For instance, if when I was younger, if I wanted one thing, I knew, okay, if I go to my mother, she is the one that would give it to me. If I wanted something else, I knew I'd go to my father. You know, if I go to my boss, I'm wearing another mask. If I'm going to my spot. So we all, we all wear multiple masks and that's not necessarily a bad thing per se. Uh, but, but, but the bad thing is if we have to wear a mask with ourselves because we don't like who we see when we look in the mirror. My concern is how do you know what homeostasis is? And like what you just brought up about like when you wake up, do you look at yourself in the mirror? I've had so many podcasts about like tapping into stuff like that, that I, me personally, I actually do look at myself in the mirror and start like thinking some weird things and be just like, who are you? This is like, like I'll ask myself some weird questions and just look at myself. I know that's completely abnormal, but I, I love that type of stuff. I love it so much. And I'm, I'm usually I'm alone a lot in my, my house, you know, I don't have too many friends that I get to see anymore. Just family gets in the way and I'm doing a lot of things, but I mean, jeepers, man. How, how do you know what homeostasis is for the average person? And how can you get yeah. back to homeostasis if you don't know? Mm -hmm. Well, let me just say a couple of things. First of all, um, you used a, a decent word abnormal, but here's the deal. I don't know if you used it in a negative connotation, but I would say it is abnormal what you're doing, but that's because a lot of people are uncomfortable doing it. Cause I would say it's actually a healthy thing to do. So it's abnormal, but it's good. Um, that's number one. Number two, uh, personally, I'm not a big subscriber in homeostasis and centering yourself and all this other mm -hmm. jazz. I think you take life one day at a time. You manage each day to the best of your ability. Some days you're going to feel a little bit better. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes I look in the mirror and I'm like, damn, you are rocking it, homie. And other times yeah. I'll look in the mirror and I'm like, oh, Lord, have mercy. I'm aging and look at these wrinkle lines. So, I mean, right, you know, right. you manage each day to the best of your ability. But <clears throat> if you get into the habit of certain healthy habits, you know, like, I don't know if you're familiar with Mel Robbins, giving yourself a high five. Um, you know, one of the things that I tell my clients a lot of times, especially if they've had a rough childhood is print out a picture of when you were younger and make sure you post it on your mirror or somewhere in your car. And every single time you go by that picture, you make sure that you psychologically invest something affirming into that child. Like, you know, mm. you know what, you and I are going to rock this thing called life. You and I are going to rock this thing called healing. Look at you, how handsome you are. Oh my gosh, your life is going to be amazing. Um, so it's really just, you know, uh, um, Every day, trial and error and getting up and managing each day to the best of your ability. That's good advice. What relationship is as important than the one you have with yourself, right? I don't think there's <clears throat> Well, it all depends on who you ask. <laughs> it all depends on who you ask. If you ask somebody who's a big believer in faith, they would say, you know, my relationship with my creator. <clears throat> yeah. Um, uh, but here's the deal. You know speaking about homeostasis, the, 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 the fragile thin line that you walk with self-love is that you have to, <clears throat> you have to be so in tune that you have self-love, but it doesn't step into cockiness because, you know, it's very good to be confident. It's extremely good to be very confident, overly confident, but you got to be careful. You don't step into that phase of cockiness and that's a very thin line. So <clears throat> I would even say, you know, even more so than having um, the best relationship with yourself is just make sure it's the, the healthiest relationship with yourself. And that means self-reflecting, doing personal audits throughout your life, because keep in mind, you know, Jay, you're not the same person you are today than you were five years ago, and you're not going to be the same person five years from now than you are today. So much more than I don't even think I'm beings, the same person as yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I mean, much more than human beings, we're human evolvements. So we have to continuously get to know who we are 
um, as we are organically uh, maturing and growing and, and things like that, which is one of the reasons why keeping a relationship is so difficult, because not only you have to keep tags, tabs on, OK, who am I as an ever evolving individual, but you have to keep building those bridges to your significant other, your partner, your spouse. Who is this person? Because um, they're changing as well. Um, which is why I always say, you know, relationships are, are like three full-time jobs, but really just having a healthy relationship with yourself to be able to reflect and say, you know what, I probably could have made better decisions with that last interaction, or I need to go back and make amends or apologize or something like that. Um, but at the same token, um, uh, like I said, investing in yourself with the, with the psychological um, investments of, you know, you, you are a great person, you're a generous person, you're, you know, a thoughtful person. Um, so, so it's a balance. It's a balance. And I think it's something that people, um, you know, this isn't a degree. Once you have it, you have it for the rest of your life. No, it's like going to the gym. You, you know, once you get to a point where you're happy, you have to now go to the gym and maintain. Once you get to the part where you're happy with yourself, you have to still continue and tap into those things so you can, you know, do maintenance work. What do you think the most detrimental thing to mental health is? Um, well, it depends <clears throat> in what context you're asking, because <clears throat> for instance, I'm going to give you something very quick that I actually was just telling a client before we talked today, <clears throat> because my, uh, I, 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 all my couples, you know, they each come into the session thinking they're right and their perspective is right and their truth is yeah. right. And mm -hmm. I asked them, I said, listen, what's the reason you think the Titanic sunk? And um, this was a male female couple. And the female said, well, um, wasn't there an iceberg? And the husband said, well, that's not the reason the Titanic sunk. The Titanic sunk because um, the rivets on the side of the ship were compromised because they didn't get, they didn't invest in the highest caliber rivets. So there was a weakness in the side. And I said, well, I'm going to tell you something. I disagree with you both. I don't know if you know this or not, but the binoculars that were supposed to be in the uh, crow's nest were in lock and key. And the two people that were in the crow's nest that were supposed to be looking out for uh, icebergs, they didn't have a key to the lock to the lock box where the binoculars were. Because if they had a key, they would have been able to get the binoculars. They would have been able to see the iceberg from two miles away, giving them plenty of time to prevent hitting the iceberg. So I think a key sank the, the, the but the whole point I'm trying to make is that everybody comes with their own perspectives everybody comes with their own truths um, however there's many perspectives that can be true so when you're asking me what's the biggest you know uh, unless I misunderstood your question mental health crisis well first of all I think as we continue to grow as a uh, world we are on so many medications that it's affecting embryos. So from the start, we have uh, um, arrows against us. Um, that's a big mental health situation. Um, when you come into the world, again, we have um, relationships where w that I have, I have m more couples that argue and have conflict and tension and toxicity and dysfunction right in front of their kids than ever before. That sets up a, a grown adult to already have problems, mental health problems. We also have a, you know, a shortage of mental health things. I'm not going to get political at all. I will not get political, but I will say I wish we spent less money on some of the things we do especially outside of our country and spend it a little more taking care of our veterans and those in the mental health field in our country. So really it's a 99% of people have to agree with that. I mean, like we have issues within this country that we should really be focused on. I'll, that's all. I'll say yeah. And, and, and listen, I get it. I get it that, you know, we are a country that's relatively privileged and our dollar goes a long way outside of our country. So we should help other people in other countries. I get that. But when we're spending billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars and just donating it to other countries, when we have a multi-trillion dollar debt and deficit ourselves, and we have a homeless veteran problem and a homeless this problem and all this other stuff, um, I think we can do some reallocating. But again, I'm not going to get into all that stuff right now. Um, certainly not. But um, so so it's really, it's very complex and multi-layered, um, your question. And that's yeah. my answer and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> all right, good. Yeah. 
do you well you touched on this a little bit um like the toxicity between relationships i want to know what you think is worse do you think if you have a kid staying in a toxic relationship is better for the kid or an absent parent i'm going to tell you something jay um very very good question and i will tell you it depends on the child and it depends on the circumstances because um yeah because sometimes uh so f- hypothetically speaking let's just say um a child has a love language of something um uh they might look at that situation differently as they get older similar to if a child has a, a certain um attachment style they might look at that as as different as they get older um same thing as if a child is in an abusive home or in a toxic home. Um, some children, because listen, the, the the broad brush of painting in the mental health uh, community is children would much rather be from a broken home than in a broken home. And if you want to speak from a perspective of, of a broad brush, that's actually true. However, many adults I talk to now Tell me, I would have preferred my parents to stay together, even if I lived in between World War, World War III in the home. So really, it depends on uh, the dynamics of the relationship, the dynamics of the child, the dynamics of the circumstances surrounding all of this. Yeah, there's such a variation of humans. There's such a Absolutely. variation of humans, right? And yeah. like, yeah, the, the love languages, that's, that's one aspect about life I don't really enjoy is something like the standardized of testing like how are you gonna test everyone the same it's like telling a fish to climb a tree you know yeah like you're just just setting them up for failure and i feel like there's too much of that in this world yeah yeah no i agree you know um and things are so individualized it's like you know one time i heard uh these twin boys and one of them says i do not touch alcohol i do not drink alcohol because um, my father was an alcoholic. And the other boy says, well, I'm an alcoholic because my father was an alcoholic. So it's like, you know. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yes, it's crazy. Yes. I, I I, rely on a, um, I don't know, I, someone told me this story or I read it. It's like you have two people driving down the highway and they both see a car accident, like a horrific car accident. One person's like, wow, I should just live life to the fullest because life's not promised tomorrow. And another person can see them be afraid of even driving their car or going out the next day because they don't want that to happen to them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, 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 and it's interesting because so much of um, our experiences are from association. And I'll give you a very quick background of what I mean. So uh, I deal with a lot of couples that go through infidelity And one of the things that I tell couples are your current infidelity, um, you're only, you're only affected by your current infidelity about 40%. What's really affecting you much more is the core insecurity that it hit from within. So, um, let's just say you have previous childhood trauma about something. Well, when you have a case of infidelity as an adult, um, what that does is that hits a core insecurity of something previously. So a lot of times people are talking about topics while they're trying to heal after infidelity, but they're never getting down to the issue. And the issue is mm. what's in what sleeping giant was woken within you that you're not dealing with. And um, so this is why, you know, what you were just saying, as far as the car analogy, um, somebody can go buy it and 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 so much of it is where they are currently but much more probably I would guess is what they associate that with. What tools and resources do you find yourself using to, to maintain a, a healthy outlook, a positive outlook on life and just, you know, maintain day to day? Um, you know something? <clears throat> so first of all, I am a person of faith. So um, I, I do tap into my faith and I apply my faith to a lot of um well, to every aspect and facet, number one. Number two, and my spouse does not like this, but um, my one of my models is life's not fair. It just isn't. Just isn't. It's not fair. Um, and I've learned that at a, at a young age and I've accepted it. And, I've, and personally, that's helped me. Um, 
the other thing too is um, I have a lot of models. I have a lot of models. And one of them is, because I had a pretty crappy childhood, one of them is, you know, I might not have had much say in how I started, but I have all the say in how I'm going to end. Um, uh, similar to, you know, I don't know if you've ever been to Arlington Cemetery uh, in Virginia where, you know, they have thousands and thousands of cemetery from, from the wars. No. And uh, I was there one time and I heard something so profound. And I heard on every single headstone, you're going to see um, two dates with a dash in the middle. And um, those two dates are when you come into the world and when you leave the world. And you may not have much say in those two dates, but you have all the say in what happens between them. And so, you know, Jay, I don't have to tell you because nobody escapes trauma and drama from life. We all at times are, are dealt some pretty crappy hands. And what's important is not necessarily what we're handed, but how we choose to play our cards. So that's what I like to focus on. Yeah. So for people that get dealt a crappy hand, and that's most of us, most of us get dealt a real crappy hand and that's what you do with it or what you learn from it to put it into the future, you know, so you can learn from it or you can benefit somehow. But what can a person do? Like what, what type of techniques can a person do if they find themselves just like in this depression hole, you know, and it looks like there's no light at the end of the tunnel. Like what things would you recommend? Well, okay, extremely good question, but extremely complex because <laughs> I would first life. have to find out, are there some genetic components? Are there some biological components? Are there some environmental components? Are there some uh, situational components such as, you know, did your child just pass away? Is that why you're in a depression? So, I mean, really, it, I'd have to run the gamut of questions and tests to see, you know, whatever. One of the things that I like to do is um, ask people, um, what are you doing in terms of social um, engagement? Because I, in my opinion, we were designed for social engagement, social interaction. We weren't yeah. designed to um, sit behind a keyboard all day and not have human connection, human touch. That's mm -hmm. one. Number two, I'd probably have them write a, a list down. Um, was there ever a time in life you were happy, which the majority of people can say, yeah. And I'll say, okay, what was your lifestyle when you were happy? Well, I was doing A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Okay. Are you not happy now? Write a list of your lifestyle right now. Well, I eat like crap. I don't exercise. I stay in my bed. I watch TV all day. Okay. Well, go back to that original list. <laughs> Maybe those things will make you happy. So it really depends on the circumstances. The way you just broke that down is just, that's <laughs> pretty damn good. It's so... I know it's I know it's complex, like the whole the like the whole thing of it. But what you just said was such a simplistic version, and it seems like that could be so powerful because yeah, everyone probably was at one point in their life very happy, and they have the ability to tap back into that and just simply write down what was making them happy, what was their life like. Well, okay, why don't you try and implement some of those things back then? into your life now. Maybe that can alleviate some of the depression, some of the pain. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, sometimes there's just simple things like you would, well, maybe you wouldn't be. I'm astonished at how much lack of water people get. And, 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 and yeah. if you understood, understood how important water is um, it, on so many levels. And the other thing too, I will tell you is if I'm ever feeling in a lull because we're all human, we all get into these lulls or whatever. One of the first thing I force myself to do is go out and do something nice for somebody. So if I'm ever feeling in a lull, I will specifically go to the store, even though I need nothing. Yeah. I'll buy a loaf of bread just so I can tell the cashier, wow, you got beautiful nails. Where do you get those done? Because all of a sudden I feel good about myself. Or I'll go and get a $10 gift certificate at, you know, Dunkin' Donuts and randomly put it on somebody's car. Not, and not, I don't know who they are and I don't need to know who they are, but while I'm driving away, I find myself smiling. So you want to put a smile on your face and give yourself a little joy, go and do something for somebody else. Yeah, that's good advice. That's wonderful. How did you, how did you learn that? I guess. How, how did you come uh, about that? The majority of my wisdom was born from pain. So, um, yeah, you know, there's no yeah. substitute for experience, um, uh, which is why, Jay, um, 
you know, I growing up, I, I, I marinated in trauma. I marinated in toxicity and dysfunction and, and all this stuff. And, and I, you know, I, I could have absolutely um, hung my head up and said, well, this is my life. I'm destined for, you know, failure and doom and depression and all this other stuff. Um, but, but again, I think, you know, what a, all of us, all of us have at least one good book in us. All of us have something we can share with something else. And um, I, 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 you know, I asked you at the beginning of this, what got you into podcasting? And I'll tell you, one of the things that got me into what I'm doing, which is, which is, uh, uh, I'm a betrayal trauma practitioner and a relationship coach, is because I've found, and this is what I tell people a lot of times, we don't find our purpose through our passion. A lot of times, people are like, you know, what is your passion? You know, find your purpose. We don't find our purpose through our our passion, and vice versa. We find our purpose through our pain. And so when I inverted my pain, I found my passion. Yeah, I struggle with that too, trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do. And there is a lot of pain behind that. Like, Like, what am I supposed to do? I don't know what I'm supposed to do. You know? Yeah. Well, one of the first things that's really quick is I would ask you, you know, to, to find your passion um, for the most part is um, what do you read when you're not forced to read? You know, I, 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 I was asked that one time. Well, actually, I don't know if you, if you know who a Dr. Keith Abloh is. He's a, a famous psychologist. But I was in college and I was taking criminology because I love crime. Well, I don't love to commit crime, but I love crime. Um, and, <laughs> Thanks for clarifying. And, yeah. And, um, uh, I was reading a book one time um, because I would pick up psychology and sociology books all the time when I didn't have to study. And when I was reading one of his books one time, he said, you know, what do you like to do? And one of the ways you can answer that is, what do you like to read when you're not forced to read? And I was thinking, holy crap, I love psychology. I love sociology. I was like, oh, hey, that's that's a good direction. So um, one of the questions that, you know, anybody listening can ask themselves is, you know, what do you find yourself drawn to when you're not forced to to draw to something? I like reading about psychedelics and what it does on the mind. Awesome. Well, maybe you can <laughs> um, work with people or, or get into some studying or doing that or who knows, firsthand experience, you know, what have you. I like to make people feel good too. But just because I know what it feels like to to be made to feel like shit and be shit on. So yeah. I like to I like to make sure I go out of my way to make sure I don't insult people or make sure that people don't feel like I'll take the blunt of the, the force before it's laid upon someone else. Like I'll be that human shield just because I know I can handle it. I can take it. I've been through it and I am mm-hmm. able to keep getting back up. So yeah. that's like what Are you, you were saying empath? about the pain. Are you an empath? I don't know what that means. Uh, so like if somebody's telling you a story, can you actually almost literally feel their experience? Oh yeah. Even movies. I can just okay. like, yeah. So let yeah. me ask you, do you have good boundaries with your, um, uh, um, with your emotions? Can you expand on that just a little bit more? Well, because here's the deal. Listen, I love empaths and I think we need more of them in the world. The, the struggle with empaths is oftentimes they're not good with boundaries and they easily get taken advantage of. I get, yes, yes, I do. I definitely do. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, so that's why like, you know, it's, 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 it's difficult because you, you want to absolutely, um, be an empath and, and make people feel good and all this other stuff. But I tell people so many times you have to be very careful because so many times we're trying to keep the peace around us, but it's actually at the expense of the peace within us. So you really got to yeah. come up with you know, I don't see bonding. the wrong in anybody. I feel like no one's trying to jit me. No one's trying to rip me off. No one's trying, you know, I don't feel like that. I feel like everyone has good in them and yeah, no one would take advantage of me, but that's not mm. the case. Yeah. Yeah. And then what winds up happening, and this is the reason I say, I, I'd say, you know, maybe something you want to just look into at some point in your life is because there comes a point when we uh, feel that we are taken advantage of so much that if we don't do something about it, we start internalizing anger and internalized anger that's not dealt with uh, can turn into depression. So just something to be mindful of. That's interesting. Would can you would you say that having some outlets can help alleviate that? Like I I go to the gym a lot. I do the punching bag. I box a lot. I play hockey. I do all of these 
these sports. Well, hey, absolutely, a hundred percent. However, I'm all about preventing prevention. So I'd much rather, you know, you not be hurt and disrespected and go to the gym. I'd much rather you have boundaries and not get hurt and disrespected. How can I work on myself about creating these boundaries? So basically, uh, I would do a, um, uh, a priority audit. I would do an assessment of what are your priorities. So if your priorities are whatever they are, you know, making people happy or do, you know, whatever, then you turn those around into boundaries. So let's just say, um, hypothetically speaking, let's just say that you are very, very, very much a person who's timely. Being on time is extremely important to you. Well, you can have a boundary that timeliness is important to you and you put that boundary out there. Now, boundaries, keep in mind, are like religion. You don't have them to control other people. You have them to control you. What does that mean? Everybody can do whatever they want, whatever they want, anytime they want. But if somebody wants to step into your sacred circle, they have to respect your boundaries. So like if you say, hey, Mr. J, Coach J, do you want to meet me for lunch next Tuesday? Yeah, sure. Let's meet at one o'clock and I show up at 2.30. You're not just going to not say anything because you're an empath and, you know, whatever. You're going to let me know very nicely. We made plans at one o'clock and my time is valuable. So if we ever make plans in the future, can you make sure that if you're going to be late, you call me? Um, that's a, That would be a boundary. That's so funny that... <laughs> That stuff happens to me all the time. Like some people just not show up or not blow me off. And I don't even, I don't bat an eye. Okay, but Jake, can I tell you something with all the love I have in my heart? That's because you (laughs) teach people how to treat you. I guess so. And you teach people that your boundaries are negotiable. Okay. So how would I, how would I communicate to someone if they, if we had a time to meet up and they didn't show up, what types of things can I say? What should I say? And this probably sounds like normal for all of you listening out there, like, oh, you should just tell them. It's not that easy for me, all right? So lay off. (laughs) Well, first of all, again, I'm all about prevention. So if you're going to make plans with someone, um, I don't know. I mean, I'd have to really have a conversation with you because I don't know if it's a matter of just there's certain words you're using that people are playing around. I don't know if it's certain tone of voice that you're doing that people feel as if you're not, you know, um, uh, uh, stern in, in what you say. Um, I'm not, so I'd have to figure out those things, but you could also add when you're making plans with something, um, you know, I have a, a, a pretty tight schedule, so this would work perfectly for me. And if by chance you're late, no problem at all. Just give me a courtesy heads up. You know, that would be the whole, the whole prevention thing. That's the um, prevention. Or, That's however real you find that would be comfortable with that. Then if somebody is late, um, you know, the first time you can just say, oh, absolutely understand, you know, no problem at all. I'm going to go ahead and push my next meeting back. But next time, you know, just give me a heads up, um, you know, because now I got to push my next meeting back. We, even if you don't have a meeting, because what you do is you're teaching people how to treat you. Um, and then the other thing, too, is one shame on you, twice shame on me. If you find that people are doing this over and over, it's no longer their issue. It's yours. Wow. Jeez, I got some work to do, huh? We all do, Jay. We all do. <laughs> yeah. Wow. You know, I'm just going to bring this up. Some days I love being sad and depressed, especially if I'm working out. Like today, I went to the gym before we're having our conversation. And today, I don't know, it's a gloomy day out. I just felt like a little sad. And I'll put on sad, slow music and just think about everything that's kind of gone wrong in my life. And you know, I'll get the chills from listening to music and I'll just be able to maintain like a higher level of exercise. Like, am I broken because of that? Or like, I mean, if you say it's okay, yeah, you are, that's fine. But like, I just want oh, yeah. to, no, I don't hold anything back. I'm going to tell you something. Um, uh, I think that we all need to embrace our emotions. We all need to, um, uh, honor our emotions because we are human and we have human emotions. And I always, um, I always tell people, listen, company is like fish. It's good the first day, but after three, it starts to stink. So as far as you going into your lulls or your sadness and putting on CDs and tapes, or, and I'm probably aging myself, um, or ads or whatever you got going on there. I don't know. Um, <laughs> um, listen, visit your emotions, but don't pack your bags and stay there. And it doesn't sound like you do. No, I don't. I don't. 
Like it's, it's Even usually in in the day, wonderful, but you know, then the next day I say, okay, that was wonderful. Now I'm moving on. Yeah. I, I would say that's a, that's a positive thing about me. I'm able to like, I'll channel that, that emotion and then I'll really dive into it and it doesn't linger. It's just in and then I understand it and then it's out. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, the other thing too is, listen, I, I think that it's good to have um, some ups and downs in life because it really gives you perspective and appreciation. Um, it, it, if somebody, I'll tell you something. I don't know if you ever heard of the show. It's called um, Fit to Fat to Fit. No. And it's about these trainers that all of their life they've been fit. All of their mm-hmm. life they've been very fit. Yeah. And these trainers yeah. decide, I'm going to gain 50 to 70 pounds so I can really learn to understand my clients. And boy, do after they gain 50 or 70 pounds, whoo, they're like, uh, and these trainers are like in tears. I mean, like, yeah. you, it's, it, and they'll say, I had no idea. I had no idea. That so seems I'm like glad you embrace your, your lulls because I think that gives you an appreciation when you have your good days. Totally. That, that seems like an express line to being an empath. Certainly could be. Sure. Right. Like, since you're actually, putting yourself you're literally walking in someone else's shoes so you know exactly what it feels like i feel i feel like with me um because i've had i've had issues with addiction problems i've had like so many issues that i've overcome so like when i'm i can relate to a lot of different people you know i wasn't very good at school so i can relate to you i'm very relatable and i feel like i just I understand. And maybe that's what makes me an empath to some things, yeah. some degree. Yeah. And see, listen, Jay, in, in my opinion, I think you, I think your gift of being an empath is both a blessing and a burden because um, you, I think you crave uh, um, connection with people. Yeah. And I think that's good because you have a gift to connect with people. However, having said that, the opposite of addiction is connection. And when people crap on you for for so long over time, that could be a yellow, pink, or red flag to go into addiction territory, which is why I say just just keep doing you, but really have some boundaries of keeping yourself healthy. Yeah, that's that's one of the reasons why I need to get rid of this, um, or like limit my time on the phone is because I am looking for like a connection through social media, you know, people to like stuff that yeah. I, that I post. And I know I like, I have these conversations with myself. I'm like, this it's like, why, why, why do I give people the power that I don't even know? Like, why does that make me feel more worthwhile? Mm-hmm. If someone likes the stuff I'm putting out, it's just, it's very complex. It's weird. It's a weird state of being to be in today. Yeah. Yeah. You know, something, um, uh, just very quickly, I think when you do something that, that is a blessing and serves yourself, it, it, it has a tendency to just take off by itself. So for instance, um, uh, I, I, I never, I didn't go into coaching coaching found me. I, I never had an, I, that was never my thing. I never sought out coaching. Coaching sought out me. And that's because one day I was um, thinking to myself, man, Jay, you have been through a lot. You've just really been through a lot. And how sad would it be to take the lessons that I learned from everything that I've been through and just bury them six feet under when I die? And I said, yeah, you know what? I'm going to get on social media and I'm just going to share some of the lessons that I learned because if anybody can benefit from something, that would make me feel happy. Jay, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, I didn't post anything on social media because I wanted a like, I wanted a follow. If one person said, wow, you changed my perspective, I, I fine, great and dandy. And that was my motivation. And now... Two years later, I got almost 25,000 followers on TikTok. That was never, ever, ever my agenda, ever. So I think when you do something that serves yourself in a healthy way, man, life will just come in and say, you found your purpose and we're going to steamroll this. 
how did you take the next step into coaching? Like what sort of, did you have to get like certifications? Did you have to get like a degree? What does that look like? The path? Yeah. So, um, okay. So here's the deal. Uh, coaching, um, unlike say, um, counseling, yeah. you do not have to be licensed and that's a good and a bad thing. The, the good thing is that I can coach anybody in the whole world. And I do, I have, I have clients in Japan. I have clients in uh, uh, Lebanon. I have clients in um, Italy. I have clients, I have clients all over the world. Um, that's, that's number one, a good thing. Number two, uh, when it comes to counseling, um, you really can't, you really shouldn't give advice as a coach. I can, um, However, the, the, the negative thing about that is really anybody can roll out of bed and call themselves a coach, which gives a lot of legitimate coaches a bad name. So there's pros and cons coaching thing. Now, in my opinion, and if you ask 10 different coaches uh, that question, you're going to get 10 different answers. Because coaching is not a licensed field, um, you have to have a lot of self-accountability. Um, now, coaching is still under the um, IFF, which is the international, I'm sorry, ICF, which is the International Coaching Federation. So there are regulations. It's not like you can say, you know, hey, I'm just going to turn into a coach. I mean, if you want to be a legitimate coach, you need to um, you need to do your due diligence with uh, studying under the ICF regulations, following and respecting the ICF regulations. Having said that, in my opinion, there's no substitute for experience. So yeah. when I'm talking to clients, um, and and I, I if I can say so myself, I believe I help a lot of people. I if you ever look on my social media, I have nothing but people saying, "Oh my God, Coach Jay, you changed my life!" And I can't believe you know, blah 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 blah. Number one, it's because there's no substitute for experience. Um, I can read a book and get a triple doctorate degree. But if I'm sitting across from somebody who I can't relate to because I've never yeah. walked in their shoes, what good am I? Yeah, sure. I can give them all kinds of practicality and modalities. But when people look, it's like this, Jay. If you're talking to somebody, uh, let's just say who had a, um, uh, a miscarriage, right? If you're talking to somebody who had a miscarriage and you've never had a miscarriage, you could sit there and nod your head and make the puppy eyes and say, I understand all you want. But the energy, the energy of that conversation is different if you also had a miscarriage and you're talking to somebody with a miscarriage. And I think because of the profound dysfunction and abuse and, 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 the, and, and how much and for how long and the wide variety of abuse and dysfunction, there is so much I can relate to, which makes me an effective coach. So number one, my experience makes me a good coach. Now, number two, don't get me wrong. I do have three coaching certifications. I also spent eight years in the military. I'm also a published author, to, uh, a book in a, in a, in a poetry book. Um, I also um, uh, am a certified betrayal trauma practitioner. And I continually learn because I'm self-accountable to my own profession. So it really depends on the human as well. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing, man. Congratulations on all of that. That's you you found your calling. And so I would imagine that you're an empath as well. You know what? I'm not. I'm what not at all. Um uh I am I am <laughs> I, I'm extremely in tune to people. I'm extremely in tune to people. Um, which is why at the beginning of this, I was like, oh, we're not gonna talk because let me tell you something. I can pick up on body language so well because before I even understood what body language was, I was paying attention to it and I was studying it. And you know, and here, and here's one of the reasons why. So uh, my father left at a young age. My father left at a very young age. And as a boy growing up, I didn't know what it was to be a, a man. I didn't know what it was to be a male because I had no male role model. So every single time I was with any male whatsoever, I would watch, how do how does a guy sit down? How does a guy fold his legs when he said, how does a guy drink a cup of coffee? How does a guy respond when he's being asked a question? I would, oh my gosh, study people's behavior without even understanding I was studying their behavior. Wow. Um, and so 
And so this isn't something I read about. This isn't something I took a course on. This is something that I have personal firsthand experience of. And it's so amazing because it works in so, so many ways. Like for, and, and my God, it served me so well. And I'll give you a, a good example. When I talked to somebody and I was talking to somebody not too long ago and he was talking and he was rubbing his neck, he was rubbing his neck. And uh, I asked him, I said, um, I said, when you were younger, were you allowed to speak your voice? And he said, oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. My, my, my parents, you know, uh, if I said something, you know, children have to be seen, not heard. Um, I would get slapped across in the face um, uh, when I said something. And I said, okay, that makes sense because I have a feeling when you're rubbing your neck right now, you're actually giving your vocal cords permission to speak because you don't feel like you're allowed to. And he started crying. So this is what I mean. Things that like when you read a book, people wouldn't pick up on, but it's just things that I picked up on just from studying people and behavior for so long. So um, I know it sounds crazy, but it's just a gift I have. You you just tapped into my mind somehow. You like brought something up um, about how that, that guy was rubbing his vocal cords. You know, um, when I was younger, I used to get something called the strap. So if I did something bad, my dad would come and take off his belt and whoop my whoop me in the butt. Mm-hmm. Ever since, yeah, I have a real problem like um, confronting older people or like anyone that's older than me. Mm-hmm. Like I just automatically give in and, and think they know more than me. I think that's probably a direct correlation to that. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Now, is it from a place of experience or a place of fear? I'll have to do some digging. I don't even know. Okay. Well, um, something else to think about after this. (laughs) I guess so. (laughs) You're just right. This, this guy needs therapy, (laughs) which I do. We all do. I always say if I was in charge of the world, I would mandate, uh, therapy for everyone before they graduated high school. Because, you yeah. know, we, 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 we come into the world quasi broken. Everybody says we come into the world on a clean slate. That's not necessarily true because we, we bear the burdens of our parents in a lot of ways, whether it's, you know, um, from an embryo standpoint or just our own childhood. Um, but by the time we get to high school, we are, we are we're pretty broken. I'm not going to say, you know, damaged or, you know, but, and, and, and listen, being broken doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. Cause I don't know if you ever heard of that pottery in Japan and I forgot the name of it, but basically some of the most expensive pottery in Japan is broken because what they do is they take broken pottery and they seal it together with gold glue. Oh, And so the, the theory is we are beautiful in our brokenness. So being broke isn't a bad thing if you can capitalize on it and make yourself a decent, better person from it. That was one of the, I've been to Japan just actually uh, last December. It's one of my most favorite places I've ever been to in in my life. Isn't it nice and clean and all that stuff? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was there God. too. I'll tell you what, when I went there, they're the reason why I bought a bidet for my house, for my toilet. Ah, I love it. I every, love it. <laughs> every toilet had a bidet and a warm toilet seat i mean the cleanliness was just out of this world everything was on time which you probably love and you know like the yeah the, the yeah. speed trains the bullet trains the people there are so kind and to themselves they yeah. they move together as like a, a unit you know instead of yeah. like individual i mean there's pros and cons to it but i really enjoyed it absolutely do you know if you get on the subway um in dc or New York, people are blaring their music, swearing, yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. You get on a subway uh, in 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 Japan, yeah, quiet, clean, oh, yeah. respectful. It's like wow, there are some things that that I envy certainly about other Same cultures. Here. Yeah, it's hilarious. The <laughs> so after I left Japan, I, I get on the flight and I come back home. The first thing that happens to yeah. me. I go in line. It's like 7 a.m. at Chicago O'Hare Airport. I go, I wait in line for a cup of coffee. 
and I'm next in line. This guy comes up, cuts right in front of me, gets his coffee, and like doesn't bat an eye at me and leaves. Like, yeah, the polar opposites of where I just was, like that would never happen in Japan. Yeah, ever. yeah, yeah. And how well, you know, happened upon return. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting. Even within the states, I used to live in in Jersey, and yeah. I would go to the mall in New Jersey, and I would be I would be in a store, in an aisle looking at someone and two people would stop in front of me and start having a conversation as if I wasn't even there. <laughs> yeah. Then I moved to Georgia. I moved to Georgia and I was in the mall and somebody would walk behind me and say, excuse me. I'm thinking, what in the world? Holy, I'm not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah it, it, yeah. it differs just even just statewide in this nation, huh? Yeah. 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 You know, it's so weird how we also acclimate to our surroundings. Cause I remember, um, when I moved down to Georgia, um, hearing everybody say y'all, everybody said y'all. Yeah. And I, I tell myself, I I will never, never say y'all. That's just so (laughs) improper. Like, oh my God, it's so like, I'll never say y'all. Well, I used to teach school. I was a teacher for many years. And out of nowhere, I walked oh, into yeah. class one day and all of a sudden I was like, y'all do your homework last night. And I was like, no, you did not. Oh my yeah. gosh. <laughs> it just rolls off the tongue. It just rolls yeah, off the tongue. Hard, hard hard hard. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Oh, Hey, are there any quotes that you live by? Like anything that's like meaningful to your heart? Any quotes? I like quotes. Just wanted to ask if you knew any. Uh, okay, I told you I'm a person of faith. So one of my favorite uh, quotes is, um, Lord, help me to remember that nothing can happen today that you and I can't handle together. That's one. Um, I love variety is the spice of life. Um, I love when somebody tells you who they are, when somebody shows you who they are, believe them the first time. Um, I have a lot of them. One shame on you, twice shame on me. I like that one. Uh, we teach people how to treat us. Um, oh, yeah, that's the one you just told me about. Yeah, yeah. And I'll give you a, a very quick, very quick story that I was talking to this lady one time from California. Uh, she was in her mid 60s, I think. And she was in the dating realm. And uh, which, by the way, uh, marriage is hard. I don't have to tell you, you were married. Marriage is hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going on 21 years of marriage, actually in November, I'll, I'll, I'll be married 21 years. Um, and hopefully that'll never end. Um, but I would not want to be in the dating pool right now. Not, not with, uh, no, no, I would not want to be in the dating pool. So as, as, as sometimes challenging as my marriage can be, I'm, I'm going to try to stick with it because I would not want to be in the dating pool right now. Anyway, um, I was talk- speaking with <laughs> speaking with this lady, and she was in her sixties. And she said, um, uh, "Coach Jay, I um, wanted to tell you something. When I uh, meet a guy, uh, I always tell them, uh, you don't pick me up at my house. That's a boundary I have. You don't pick me up at my house. We meet at a restaurant, and if I feel comfortable, you can drive me back home to drop me off or whatever. But I'm not going to meet you at my house. That's a boundary I have. You, you're absolutely not." She was like, well, I kept talking to this guy and, and he kept saying, you know what, let me pick you up. Let me pick you up. Let me pick you up. And she was like, you know what? He was nice. And I said, you know what? Sure. Go ahead. Just pick me up at the house. Well, we had a really, really nice date. And then he went to drop me off and he gave me a kiss goodbye. And that was nice. Mm-hmm. But then he kept kissing me Ooh. and she was like, okay, we're good. You don't, you know, and he wouldn't, he, he, he wouldn't stop kissing me. Why would he do that? Why, why would he do that? And I told her, well, listen, you, you taught him that your boundaries are negotiable. When you tell somebody I have a boundary of A, B, and C, and then they wear you down to the point where you're like, okay, fine. You taught them that your, your boundaries are negotiable. So you have to be very careful with negotiate. Now, that doesn't mean you have to be stern and strict with your boundaries. There are times where you can, you know, be human about them, but you yeah. have to be very careful and you have to make sure that you are allowing yourself to make a decision to be flexible with your boundaries from a place of empowerment, yeah. not a place yeah. of fear of being worn down. Right, right. Uh, one of my favorite quotes is, we have two lives and the second life begins when you realize we only have one. Yes. Yes. And I'm going to actually piggyback on that if you don't mind. Yeah. Uh, I always tell people live for your second life. What does that mean? We have two lives, the life that we're living now 
and the legacy that we leave behind that others talk about when we're gone. So try to live for that second life. Interesting. Yeah. Good piggyback. Um, you just mentioned about, uh, you wouldn't like to be in the dating pool right now while I'm living it. It's awful. Uh, I wanted to ask you like, what, what do you think about OnlyFans? Do you see like some implications as we move forward, like to the future? Like all these young ladies are on OnlyFans. Do you, uh, do you know what OnlyFans is? Um, I'm not on it, but, um, but is it, is it, is it a gamut? Like, you know, like some people say, like, for instance, I, when I first heard of TikTok, all I thought it was, you know, young girls shaking their body half nude, but, but yeah. TikTok has yeah. a spectrum. Is that the same thing yeah. as OnlyFans or no? Uh, OnlyFans is mostly just young ladies exploiting themselves for, to have fans come on their page and pay them money to watch them basically strip. Okay. All right. So yeah. the question is what you're saying? Yeah. Like, do you see an implication of the young ladies because now they're finding value strictly in just their bodies. So when they get older and they're going to like, no one's going to, no one's going to want to be with them or trust them, you know, because of the past life they lived strictly for a monetary gain. So I'm wondering like the implication that it means to, to the dating pool in the future. Yeah. Okay. So two things. Um, uh, I'm going to I'm going to answer this question leaving my my spiritual compass aside. Okay. Um number 1, I would not um uh I would not um give your experience to the people on OnlyFans. For instance, some women on OnlyFans, I'm sure have very low self-confidence. And I'm sure they get their confidence from um, uh, these likes and this money and from their body. But I would venture to say there's a lot of secure, confident women that are secure in themselves that bust their butt in a gym. And they're like, hey, I can either go get a four-year degree and spend that time and make money off my mind or go to the gym for four years and make money off my body. Nobody determines my worth but me. Um, that's number one. So, um, it all depends on the woman and number two, it all depends on the person, um, that's, that's dating that person. You know, I told my spouse when we first met, I won't judge you on your past. If you don't judge me on mine, let's start anew and let's go in the future. So it really all depends again on the situation. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's some good points that are coming up about it. Like I've been looking into it and for example, like if, if this person that had that history of doing OnlyFans and showing their body, if they decide to have a child and that child enters, you know, middle school, well, then all of a sudden all of his friends or I don't know, bullies maybe find these images and videos of that child's mom. That's instant bullying right there. And that could be. Well, first of all, kids don't need a reason to bully. Second of, first of all. Second of all, don't you think Madonna does the same thing with her kids? I mean, come on. Um, she can just say, hey, listen, I did what I did for money when I was young. Next. Hmm. How do you feel about the Kardashians? I don't know anything about them other than. Good for you. The perfect uh, answer. That's the perfect answer. <laughs> I respect them. I mean, I wish I had their money, but I don't. I, I, what I, I probably know three of their names: Kim and Chloe, and I don't know somebody else. And their dad is uh, uh, um, um, changed. Uh, you know, as a um, right, right, yeah, a transgender, and yeah. that's about all I know. Yeah. Well, you know everything, and that is their dad, right? <laughs> that's um. That's some of their dad. That's that's one of their dads. Oh yeah, have- see, yeah, yeah. No, no. Listen, I um, I have my guilty pleasures, like everybody else. It's just not the Kardashians. Um, and I will tell you one thing though, and I don't know why I'm sharing this, but I was uh, one of my clients last week. I was talking, and she's a regular. I've been seeing her for you know about a year, and um, we were talking, 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 and I was, and at the end of the session, I was like, "All right, I'll see you next week," and she was like, "Well, wait a minute." Have you watched The Golden Bachelor? I said, oh, no, 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 no. That's not anything I'm going to do. No. And she said, no, 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 no. Mr. J, you got to you gotta watch The Golden. I said, no, no. And she was like, okay, I'll tell you what. I'm not going to do another session with you unless you promise you're going to watch The Golden Bachelor. As a joke, you know what I said? Okay, okay, okay I'll watch The Golden. J, now I'm hooked. 
Are you serious? I'm I, like I I love The Golden Bachelor. I can't even believe that's one of my guilty pleasures now. I, I know uh, how really- to make a show. You know what? I actually saw previews for that. I'm like, that one looks actually kind of interesting because they're they're older. It's kind of cute. <laughs> listen, listen. I'm I'm 49, and I'm I'd like to think I'm in pretty good shape. You know, look pretty good, whatever. I is 72 and can crush me in physique and looks. It's like, oh my god, I want to look. 72. He's 72, and he looks better than the average 35 year old. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Wow. Good for them. Jeez. Yeah. Well, Mr. Coach Jay, thing... I appreciate what's that? Yeah. No, no, no. Uh... I can talk until here. So you can, you can go ahead and do your thing and the show. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to, um, well, first of all, thanks for coming on. We're going to wrap this sucker up. We reached that, uh, that golden one hour mark. And, um, I just want to give you a second to like, if you have anything to say for the listeners that might, I don't know, any resources they can, like look at or any tools they can use if they they find themselves in a difficult spot relationship wise, like what, what they can do. Also, how can they find you as well on the internet? Uh, okay. I have the easiest site in the world as, as far as I'm concerned, it's um, Mr. J relationship coach.com. Very easy. Um, I will say that um, even if somebody doesn't necessarily want to find me, look at me, talk to me, wonderful. I have a lot of free resources on my website from, um, you know, podcasts that I've been on to um, uh, I upload a, a video every day on, on tips of betrayal, tips on relationships. I call them my daily dose of vitamin J. Um, so I have a lot of free resources on my website. So even if nobody ever wants to talk to me, see me, make an appointment, that's completely fine. Just my website, again, mrjrelationshipcoach.com has tons of free resources on it. So please, um, check that out and I'll leave with a few things. Number one, I want to tell people other people give us pain, but we give ourselves suffering. So what happens is if, you know, if you get bit by a poisonous snake, You don't pick up that snake and inject the fangs into your arm 17 more times. But why do we play that same scenario over in our mind when somebody disrespects us? Um, So like, you know, if somebody were to say, right, like Jay, for instance, if I were to say right now, you know, Jay, you have bad breath. Well, okay. So after, so after this session, you can say, I can't believe him. He said I had bad breath. Oh, I'm so pissed. I he. He, he embarrassed me and he hurt me. Okay, next thing you know, you're going around and around and around. You're giving yourself suffering, dude. I already gave you pain. Don't give yourself suffering. So just be careful that other people give us pain. We give ourselves suffering. Number two, I just want to tell you again with that Japanese pottery, and I forgot what it's called, but listen, we are beautiful in our brokenness. We're all broken. We're all broken, but we're beautiful in our brokenness. And three, I just want to say there is a one in 400 trillion possibility that you were born. So there's a reason you were. I believe everybody comes into this earth as a gift. We have to figure out what our passion is, what our pleasure is, what our purpose is, and spend the rest of our life opening up that gift and sharing it with the world. Whew, amazing. Mr. Coach Jay, you are a beautiful man. Thank you so much for spending time with Thank us you. today and, and uh, sharing all of your stories and you know everything you've accumulated over the years. You're pretty brilliant. That was awesome. I've learned a lot in just this hour alone about myself that, I mean, I haven't learned about myself in 34 years, 35 years. So it's pretty awesome. Oh, wow. uh, every- yeah. <laughs> Everyone yep. at home listening, appreciate you. If you're broken, I still love you. You still love me and I'm broken. So you know, go check mm-hmm. out Mr. Coach Jay. Um, again, thank you very much. And uh, we're out of here. Peace out, everyone. Thank Bye. You.